Welcome to another episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast, where we interview top sellers and sales leaders to learn the different tips, tricks, and mental strategies that they use to create sustainable peak performance. Let's get rolling. Welcome to today's episode of the Peak Performance Selling Podcast. Today, we've got somebody that I was introduced to in the last few months that you're going to find out pretty quickly why I am so enthused to bring Jeff Risley onto the show. He has over a decade of sales experience, but really more importantly, understands the importance of mental health in sales and achieving peak performance. After battling his own anxiety, insomnia, and panic attacks throughout his sales career, Jeff has used his knowledge of mental health to inspire sales teams to reach their full potential through better mental health and well-being. And this really became important for him when he was diagnosed with testicular cancer in the summer of 2018. He found that these same strategies involving mindsets, perspective, self-awareness, empathy, self-control, mindfulness, optimism, grit, and your habits that made him successful in sales also really helped aid him in his recovery from cancer. So he has a ton to share. He's come from somebody that's been a successful individual contributor and sales leader. And now he's doing a lot of work with sales teams really across any stage of growth where he runs the Sales Health Alliance that has a lot of cool offerings, whether it's to work with your team virtually or to do some online courses and learning for yourselves. So he's got different speaking engagements, workshops, one-on-one consulting, and then recently launched a really cool new program online for folks to really consume at their own pace. So I am really excited to have Jeff on to talk to us a little bit more about mental health and sales and where he's finding companies struggling and what we can do to actually all find more sustainable peak performance. Welcome, Jeff. Hello, Jordan. Super pumped to be here. That was an amazing introduction. So I'm excited to have this conversation because I know we were just nerding out, nerding out pretty hard on some of this stuff before hopping on. So it's going to be a good one. Yeah, I'm really excited because I think a lot of people talk through COVID and seeing how that's come up as something that has really created much more awareness around mental health and employee well-being. And the fact that we need to focus on this, not just as our own individuals, but as companies. And so talk to us a little bit. We, we got some good insight into your journey, but talk to us a little bit about how you got into sales and how you started really focusing on mental health for yourself and then ultimately for sellers and sales teams as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. And it was really just born out of a necessity for myself. So um, I think a few people have heard this before, but I started working sales again, like 10, 11 years ago now. It's crazy to think about how long a journey it's been since day, day one. But uh, I started in sort of the classic type of sale boiler room sales environment. I was being measured on whether or not I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time. If you weren't hitting your metrics, you were let go pretty quickly very much a sink or swim type of environment. And on the surface, I did quite well from an individual contributor standpoint. I went on to be sort of one of the top reps in the organization, which was amazing. But behind the scenes, I was not okay. I was under this sort of intense pressure of hitting quota and this fear of losing my job. I just moved downtown and I was paying rent at a new condo. And it's just like, oh my God, like what's going on here? So I have really bad anxiety, insomnia, panic attacks in the middle of the night. 
when it was after the third panic attack that put me in the hospital when I was like, well, this is no good. This is, this is not sustainable. And so the first thing I, first thing I did, I went to see my doctor. He prescribed me some anxiety medication, which I tried for two to three, two to three months really didn't like how it made me feel. I don't know if you've experienced kind of anxiety medication, but I lost touch with my intuition and my emotions. I just felt sort of numb. So I wasn't able to pick up on those buying signals and connect with buyers as much as I would have liked. And going to therapy 10 years ago was still highly stigmatized. And that's really where I had to make this choice where it was like, look, like I had found this career that I really enjoyed the learning, the growth, the, the money you can make, the camaraderie, the rush you get when you close, close a big deal. But if I wanted to stay in this career, I'd need to make it, figure out a way to make myself more resilient. Like I started reading everything that I possibly could. What is stress? How does the brain work under stress? What is anxiety? What is mental health? What are the things that you can start doing at an individual level? And I just started kind of learning and self-development, doing a lot of self-development work that I know you're big on, Jordan. But uh, I didn't really sort of share this with anyone. I just started kind of using it on myself because I thought this is good for me, but who really would want to hear about this? And fast forward to July of 2018, I just launched my first sales consulting website. I was about to jump out on my own. I'm like, here we go, entrepreneur life. And three days after that, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And that's really where this stuff really started to come in handy, where the same strategies, like you mentioned, I'd started that I used in sales is naturally started to execute on during this next crystal period of my life. And slowly this idea really started to take shape that anxiety in sales is not optional. It's really part of everyday life. And how do we start changing this perspective around who salespeople are. They're not really employees. They're really corporate athletes. So how do we really start teaching them the ways to navigate stressors in sales in a mentally healthy way to start an upward spiral instead of a downward spiral by giving them the pads and the helmets they need to play contact sport. So been a journey, but that's where we, uh, that's how we got here. Wow. That, that is so fascinating. And, you know, the story around going out on your own, getting diagnosed with cancer just as what a, a wallop to the head and the system as a whole. And to be able to have tools in your tool belt already to bounce back from that, I think is so powerful because so many people that I talk to aren't exploring new ways to support themselves. They just kind of run on the hamster wheel of life and just keep going without actually digging into finding something for themselves to support themselves, to be ready for when those big challenging times come up, because maybe you've been a top seller your whole life. It's, you know, been, you know, people have said, Oh, like life's been pretty easy for you. Uh, And yeah, well, I've worked really hard and I've been super stressed and hearing this thought about, you know, going on the anxiety meds, which are, the common prescription for most any issue in today's day and age is great. Here's pills for this or that, that aren't going to actually solve the underlying issue. And so what are some of the things that you found to be really helpful for yourself to manage that anxiety and manage that stress in a more healthy or productive way? Yeah, that's again, another good question. I think like the main thing, that is like really important to understand is like just really understanding how important like perspective plays in different stressful situations and how there's different kind of mindset strategies, different ways that you can reframe situations to see the growth, see the opportunity. I think you and I talked about this growth mindset is such a key piece of this in terms of being able to 
like I said, look for the learning, look for the opportunity, look for ways to grow um, through different experiences. Like when I was dealing with cancer, I was looked at it as an opportunity. I was like, man, I'm 30 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life. Like of all people, I would never expected this to happen to me. And, but immediately I went into this sign, this, this, this strategy of just like, okay, how do I create as much awareness around this as possible rather than shutting down and being like, I'm embarrassed by this. It's like, no, like I need to tell every 30 year old guy that I know that this is happening to me. Like, what's like, how do I kind of build awareness? And that kind of really helped me stay focused on being more of a servant, adopting like an altruistic mindset. That's been really important, but the, the key to this is to be able to have that capacity, to be able to have that ability to reframe and use that really powerful prefrontal cortex that all humans have that makes us so smart and so so capable is we need to know how to manage our stress levels. We can't be in a position where we're operating in distress, we're operating in burnt out because the more and more we move down the mental health spectrum, the more and more it becomes harder and harder for that logical part of our brain, that creative part of our brain that's going to help us problem solve. It's going to start shutting down and we're going to be defaulting to a much older part of our brain, the limbic system that's going to be emotional, reactive, and it's going to be very, 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 very hard to keep perspective in situations like this when that other system, that older system is really ramping up and firing. So it's a lot of it. Like there's just, I think we could probably write a book together on this at some point, but it's a lot of kind of understanding how the body, how the brain works together and making sure that you're able to keep that awesome human part of your brain online as much as possible and manage the time you spend operating in distress. Yeah. One of the things that I love that you talked about there is the power of our brain. Because I think so many of us are thinking that we need to operate like computers, always on, always responsive to the notifications, always pushing, always go, 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 go. But we have this ability to get leverage from technology in today's day and age to help say, yeah, I'm going to throw my phone on airplane mode at night. I'm going to use technology to help me operate and perform better, opposed to being driven by the technology, which so much of our, our training and how we've grown up in today's day and age just doesn't really have us look at it like that as we look at it more as a tool that starts to drive us and knowing that most of the tech companies that, that you've done work with and that we're familiar with are programming us to continually scroll, to continually look for those notifications. And so really starting to think about using the power of the brain and getting into these areas that we see science bringing up in today's day and age showing us that, oh yeah, if you take a break, that's okay. And also knowing that stress can be a good thing, mm -hmm. but if you're not in touch with it, if you're not aware of it, if you don't have tools in your tool belt to manage it, it's going to be really hard and draining on us because sales is a tough profession. You Sorry, keep going. I was going to say hundred percent. I think that's, that's one of the things that is becoming more, people are becoming more aware of is like, the technology that we surround ourselves each day, it loves when we're not thinking logically and it loves when we're in react mode, because when we're in react, react mode and we're feeling emotional, we're going to turn to things like social media and our devices to try and replace that, that void that we're feeling that loneliness. Like it's just going to be, how do we get that quick dopamine hit? How do we try and feel connected, but it doesn't actually work. 
but we have started to build these habits where we keep wanting to go back and using them, which is just keeping us in this like perpetual state of, um, of uh, highly emotional and not able to kind of really find a good, a good strategy out. Yeah. And you see Instagram where it's like, oh yeah, you see the Instagram versus reality kind of thing that, you know, most people aren't sharing the shit in their lives, the baggage, the drama. It's all the like, oh, here's the fantastic meal that I ate. Here's me out on the golf course. Here's me, you know, having a great time with friends. And yet most of what we see is not the struggles. And so I'm curious, we talked a little bit about habits there. So what are some of the habits that you use for yourself to, try and, you know, maybe not continually live in this like fight or flight, uh, highly emotional state that technology drives us in. What do you do for yourself to try and manage yourself more effectively? Yeah, like bookending my days is a huge piece. So it's having like a startup routine as well as a shutdown routine, which is just to ensure that I'm getting that daily self-care that I need to reset my body from stress. So that's like a huge, huge piece. So for me, like a startup routine might be a cold shower. It might be uh, doing some personal development reading, some starting the day by filling my mind with new thoughts, new ideas, getting outside and going for a walk, just being outside. A lot of neuroscience behind how that kind of wakes you up and puts you in a state where you're going to be more engaged. Shutdown routine might look a little different. It's all about kind of making a to-do list for the next day. Something as simple as like people forget how important a plan is when it comes to managing a stress, managing stress on an ongoing basis. And if you have a to-do list, thinking about the next day, that's just going to be a huge, huge piece of helping you show up your best self and get a good night's rest. Other things like getting a workout in has been helpful. So whether it's some light cardio, I use a whoop as well. Whoop has been really important for me. It helps me kind of keep a good pulse on what my physical and mental strain levels are looking like on a daily basis, how well my body's recovered to take on strain. So every day I'm waking up, it's part of that morning routine. I'm using the data that I get to say, okay, here's where my recovery score is at. If it's on the lower end, I start looking for ways that I can adapt my schedule throughout the day to maybe move that networking call because I, because I'm stressed out, I need to kind of build in a, longer meditation in the afternoon, but using data on a regular basis to help me understand where I'm at so that I can make adjustments to my day. And I think the last one that's really important for me is, is gratitude has been huge. Gratitude has just scientifically been proven to help rewire the parts of your brain responsible for things like serotonin and dopamine. And it, we both know from growth mindset, you can literally strengthen muscles in your brain and change how your brain is operating by executing on things like gratitude, which is huge. So the more you kind of go back and reflect and focus on, you know, the positive events that have taken place that may have been overshadowed by a massive deal falling through or getting stuck in traffic or that person cutting you off in the street, the more you go back and reflect on those things, the more your brain learns how to direct attention and become focused on these things going forward. So there's a lot there, but uh, I think there's 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 some good ones there that people can start trying for sure. And they're so simple, you know. Focusing on gratitude is something that so many people look at as hokey, and I looked at as hokey for a long time when my like grandma was like, "Oh, attitude of gratitude," and you know all, all these different things. But there is so much science that backs this up now. As you start looking at how our brain can rewire itself, the power of neuroplasticity to say, great, I'm going to now focus more on the good things in my life because now all of a sudden 
crazy enough, you find more good things. You find what you focus on. And so there is so much opportunity in that. I, I would highly encourage anybody listening, if you don't do any of those things, or if one of those things is something you don't do, try it. Take a walk in nature. You know, See what you can do to get outside for five minutes in a day. Maybe start tracking, how am I feeling today? There are so many cool tools like the Whoop, the Aura Ring, many things in this space to actually help you really get some measurement because what we're going to measure is what we're going to manage and what we're going to be able to take control of. So um, I'm curious on the well, corporate uh, side. Oh, fire away. I was, yeah, yeah, I was just, just going to add one, one thing. I think sort of the best way I can think of like the example I use for, for gratitude that I think a lot of people can relate to is I'm sure many of us have gone, even when we're younger as kids, we've gone and we find this penny on the ground and we're all of a sudden, wow, I found a lucky penny today. I'm, I'm, it's going to be my, it's going to be a really good day. I'm like, I'm just feeling lucky. And the thing is, is the feeling lucky does exist, but luck actually doesn't exist. Like when you find that penny on the ground, what that, what's happening is you're priming yourself to be all of a sudden, wow, I'm feeling lucky. And you're priming your brain to then go start looking for good things that are happening in your environment because you're feeling lucky. You're going to notice that person, that stranger who, held the door open for you while you're going to get coffee. You're going to notice other things like maybe that your, your girlfriend smiling at you in, 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 in the middle of the day, or you're going to notice things like how good your workout was because you're primed to feel lucky. All of those things would have happened during it throughout the course of your day. But because you have this mindset of I'm feeling lucky today, you're able to perceive it. And in situations where you're feeling stressed and you're feeling burnt out, feeling negative those things would have happened but you just wouldn't have perceived it and therefore not experienced the benefit from them yeah and i love what you said earlier that i see connecting into this to how do we create this upward spiral how do mm -hmm. we program ourselves how do we set ourselves up to find the things that lift us up and fill us up versus this you know lizard brain that we've had for tens of thousands of years that keeps us alive that's always looking for the negative. That's always looking for what's going to kill us. What's going to not allow us to continue as a human, which is important, but is so little of what we need to operate in today's day and age where so many of us have access to food, to shelter, to clean water, that we don't need to worry about those survival mechanisms and can really start programming ourselves to think about how do I look for the good? How do I find the good in others? How do I thank that coworker for, you know, sharing an idea with me that helped me, you know, close a new deal or my manager who came in to support me or a leader that took some time to help me grow. And so I'm curious though, as you've got a lot, a chance to work with some really cool companies on bringing some more health into mental health into sales, what are companies struggling with or where do you see companies kind of messing up in terms of setting their teams up for effective mental health and success? It's, I, I don't know how much time you have. It's, it could be, it's, it's a long list. I think sort of just before we kind of dive into that, just building off of what you said, I think it's like really important to understand that the importance of trust in all this. We like, it's, we all like to say trust, trust, trust. And it's like, Oh, I trust that person. But from, if you think about it from like a 
physiological level. You have that lizard brain, that reptilian brain that is the oldest, which is responsible for our breathing, for our digestion, or like all of these different kind of basic functions. On top of that, we then evolved into our mammalian our mammalian brain the monkey brain which is responsible for all, our, all of our emotions that's really responsible for detecting threats and all of these uh, all of these things to make sure that we're staying safe and then finally we evolved to have this prefrontal cortex which is all of that creative logical thinking that i talked about earlier but the problem is is our brain is naturally built to want to be on guard and it's only when we're in environments and we're in situations when we can drop that guard to feel safe. And it really comes down to, do I trust the people that I'm working with on a daily basis to have their, have my best interests at heart? Because only when we're in a trusting situation, will that middle part of the brain that's on guard shut down and say, here, creativity and logic, go do your amazing things like close that big deal or learn that objection handle or do all of these cool things that we need to do as humans to thrive. So I think organizations are just like really missing the importance of trust specifically within sales. Um, it's just a lot of the way sales is structured really kind of eats away at the intrinsic motivation. I've read a really great book recently called Punished by Rewards. It's very dense and very technical, uh, but if you are into this kind of stuff, I check it out, but it really just dives into all of the latest research and data around how poor or how bad extrinsic rewards, so things like bonus, commission checks, gold stars, treats, how all of these things are just so terrible and just totally destroy your intrinsic motivation because all of your attention becomes focused on achieving the reward that everything else suffers because of it. And as a result, like sales teams are really built from this situation where we have to keep off or off providing extrinsic motivations, extrinsic rewards. But if you think about it, it's crazy because you're fundamentally you building a culture where the individual needs to reward itself first to feel safe, as opposed to operating from a mindset where you want things like cooperation, collaboration, trust to exist. It just doesn't because you're offering these extrinsic rewards, do this and you get that, that breaks down all aspects of how we should actually be performing from a human level for high performance. Wow. I, I think there is so much behind that. And as we go to this level of intrinsic motivation, I think that we find in time that when we feel the best about what we're doing is when we're helping others. And when we can give back and yet so much of sales is built around this premise of, well, I need to do this for myself. I need to close this business. So I make the money. So I, you know, get the bigger commission check. And as we start thinking about, you know, how do we go out and help and support others? And ideally we're selling something that we can truly believe in that actually does give us the ability back to your earlier point on the perspective. So like, Oh, I'm bringing something to the table. that actually helps people do something better to help improve their life. I know you're working on something pretty cool within your business uh, about really like walking the walk there. Uh, and talk to me a little bit about the, the program that you just launched uh, recently around the online training and then how you're actually making sure that you really give back so you can 
get that intrinsic motivation nailed that gives you more fulfillment than just saying, oh, I'm making money or whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I've been very fortunate because I think I like when I'm before, before I do a podcast, before I do a speaking engagement, before I do any of those types of things, the, the thing with, with anxiety is it's like a camera that's zooming in on your face, getting closer and closer and closer, showing all of your imperfections. And in situations like that, if you can change that to say, you know, what about the person, anyone listening to this podcast right now in my head to get to kind of mitigate those emotions, I'm thinking if I can help that one person who might not be sleeping or dealing with a panic attack, panic attack, or even give just one person a little bit of hope, my attention is all focused on serving them. So I'm lucky that I get to do this on a daily basis. And I genuinely get a lot of motivation from helping people. But past that, I think through the online course that I built, the other thing that's that I'm really starting to become more passionate involved involved with is how do I start also getting involved with climate change and this kind of external external threat, this monumental threat that we're all going to be facing over the next 20, 30 years that needs to be addressed. So through the online course, I've started to donate 15% of sales to tree planting, which I'm really excited about. So $1 equals one tree planted, which is just super exciting. But my whole kind of reason for doing this is it's to hopefully inspire someone to be like, you know, you don't need to be a billionaire or a philanthropist, or you don't need to be a multinational company. I'm one person working at Sales Health Alliance. Uh, it's very unsteady cash flow still to this day, but I see the importance of you know getting involved, and it doesn't take a lot. And hopefully, this inspires people to start kind of looking at different ways that we can again start building this global community and helping and supporting each other. And I think at the root of it, a lot of it is calming down at a macro level, everyone's kind of anxiety and stress levels, calming it down so that we can all get to a place where we can be more compassionate, more empathetic and understand each other a little better. That's beautiful. And I applaud you on that because it is where we can actually make a difference. We don't have to be donating, you know, Bill Gates level of dollars at this time. And it it all starts now because I think a lot of, the folks that I've interviewed, that I've talked to, that really can sustain their sales career and really excel, whether it's as a leader or an individual contributor, is around some way of giving back. Whether it's measuring, I think it's Clayton Christensen that talks about, you know, what is your yardstick that you will measure your life with? And most of the people that I really look up to or have had a chance to learn from don't measure their success by the dollars they've made, the number of times that they've been number one, but they measure their success on the amount of people that they've been able to help, the amount of people that they've been able to help develop and grow into the CFO role that have gone on to do bigger and better things. And so whether that's for our planet, whether that's for somebody else around you, I think looking for that perspective on how can I help someone else and the rest of my community is so powerful as we think about sustainability in our performance. 100%. And I think that would be a really good experiment for a sales leader to try. Like if you think about, there's so many, I'm sure like decent sized organizations are already have charitable work and contributing to different organizations, which is, which is amazing to see. But think about how much better that would be if you're working, you know, sometimes selling a tech product can be abstract and helping sort of the individual buyer. It's very easy to 
lose sight of that. But why don't you empower your team? If you go to every kind of rep on your team and say, this isn't going to impact your commission at all, but for the next six months, 5% of every sale that you make is going to go to a charity that you really believe in and you really support and you something that you believe in and, and, and want to get behind. You go out, find it. It doesn't matter what. But think about how big a difference that would be from a sales perspective and a sales point of view. If that person is then saying at the end of those six months, holy smokes, like I just contributed this amount to this cause that's really deep and important to me. What would that do to performance versus, hey, here's a thousand dollar cash cash incentive for hitting your target? It's like, get it, get out of here with that. Like, it's not that's yeah, not going to yeah. build meaningful work. I love that so much. I, one of the things that I want to make sure we touch on because we riffed on this a little bit earlier is we're starting to see a lot of companies, you know, provide these mental health days and provide you know, maybe quota relief so you can take vacation. Because even though, especially in the tech world, unlimited time off and all these things sounds great. But like, for me as a seller that's focused on my own mental health, like I tell a lot of people, I'm like, yeah, I don't really ever take a vacation. I'm always connected. Like I rarely shut everything off because there's always this pressure of quota. There's always this concept of there's more work that could be done. And so what are companies, you know, where can companies learn or or improve around how they actually help support their employees get the most out of the mental health days or the time off that they're giving them to really support their their mental health in a effective way? Yeah, so I think the the main thing, I think there's kind of two buckets. And this isn't to say that you shouldn't offer, offer mental health days or time off, weeks off, whatever. Like those are going to be effective to, to a certain extent at offloading some of the stress that someone is dealing with. We know vacations and that good stuff works, but they're operating the way the sort of the two pitfalls that I see from like a wellness day or mental health week or whatever is they're operating under two main assumptions. The first one being they're assuming that every single person in their organization understands what stress is, what mental health is, where they're at in terms of at an individual level and what they can be doing at an individual level. What are the tactics, the skills and the strategies they can do to say, okay, based on where I am, here's what I need to do to rest and recover and recover from this stress versus partying and going to the park and drinking beer or playing video games. That was a big one for me back in the day. So they're assuming that people have this base level understanding, which from my experience, the conversations I've had, most people don't. So that's number one. And two, they need to understand why this is important. They need to, and they need to be motivated to want to spend their free time executing on things like self-care. We all know things like meditation. We know the benefits of meditation. We know the benefits of going to the gym. We know the benefits of practicing gratitude every day. But if this is new to you, they're not fun to start. They're like, they aren't fun things to say, hey, wow, I practice gratitude for the first day. That is just such an immediately beneficial thing that I can't wait to do the next day. They're kind of not fun to do, but they do pay off in the long term. So you need to really understand that deep understanding that you have to have a really strong company vision, a deep connection with your work, make work more meaningful. So you know the why behind why it's important to start showing up your best self and use this time to rest, to come back, do some of these more challenging things 
to come back the next week when you're feeling better so that you can perform your best. And something like knowing your why, like I think a good example of this is uh, at, at Indeed, for example, I was there for about, about a year and a half and they had this really amazing mission, their mission that was all over their shirts, all over their, their, their walls. I still have their shirts because they're so comfy, but there was this like, we help people get jobs. And from the first two weeks of onboarding training, it was so meaningful. Like, you know, the stuff that you're selling is you're helping people find their dream jobs and you're helping people find jobs. That sentiment, at least while I was there, was never reiterated. It was always around, like I said, extrinsic rewards, bonus, commission. You don't do this. Here's what's going to happen to you. When that message is so powerful that you can go back and say, hey, like, if you're not feeling motivated, connect with that job seeker that's struggling, you're going to help them find a job. So in a similar situation, using putting this content, this example in context, if you're offering that mental health week or that day off, reflect on that deeper purpose, say like, Hey, we have this really big target to hit because we want to help all these people get jobs. And we really want to help make a difference in the world by helping these people. Here's why you should use this day to get that massage you've been neglecting or do that journaling practice that you've been neglecting. Go see that therapist to talk through some of the, the breakup with your, with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. That's why you should do these things so that you can show up next week and be in a better position to help the people that we're trying to help. Well, there's so much, so much juice in that, that we could squeeze out further, but we're going to have to wrap up a little bit. I, I've got to ask you one or two other questions though, because you talk about, sales professionals as corporate athletes. And we look at most professional athletes that have, you know, these coaches and trainers, and most of the time our managers are tasked with being the coach, the manager, the, uh, you know, trainer, and there's not a lot of time in the day for that. So what opportunities do you see for companies to really start treating their team members like professional athletes? Yeah, I think like the, the the biggest piece is like we need to start building in recovery metrics to a daily basis. We have to kind of start understanding the difference in terms of how stress works because like we talked about earlier, our brain is not built to hunt, 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 stop. It just it just isn't. There needs to be recovery periods built in. And the only way you understand when to build recovery periods is you need to start tracking well-being metrics and you need to start empowering people to kind of get a better idea of where their stress levels are on a regular basis so that they can start actioning some of these strategies on top of that i would say like you really gotta this is a, a really good post by brian smith over at leon they're doing they're about to launch a, a technology a technology that's all around predicting burnout which is which is awesome but you need to start actually empowering people on their teams to be able to or empower coaches to be able to actually allow team allow them to use stress and help their team. So if you think about it, his example was if you use a, if there's a basketball coach, that basketball coach has the power to rest players, push players harder. They can do these certain things without any consequence. But if you think about a sales manager looking over a team of eight to ten reps, they can't say. Hey, I'm going to give you quota relief because I see the data because the VP of sales or the CRO at the top says no, or the shareholders, like these are our metrics. You have to hit them no matter what. And you can't really empower that manager who's on the ground levels getting this feedback. There's limited levers that they can pull to help offload that stress. So you really need to start, goes back to trust. You really need to start having trust, equipping that frontline manager with the strategies they need to 
pull different lever, levers to offer stress relief, offer quota relief, know when to push your team, when to lay off, when to, when to change expectations. So there's a lot that you can do. And I think it's, it really starts with kind of that frontline manager and equipping the individual. Yeah, I love that. And you've got a lot of great training on, on your site, uh, a lot of great resources for folks as well. Last couple of questions to wrap up here with you. Do you love winning or hate losing more? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I would say that I definitely love winning. And this is so cliche, but I feel like there's, I've kind of been down this growth mindset piece for so long that realistically there's, there's always something you can learn from losing. So it's hard to hate losing. So I guess if I'm going to answer this question on the spot, I would say I love winning more because I don't hate losing. Like it's, there's something to learn. So it's cliche and you know, Oh, this guy's full of crap kind of thing. It's actually true for me. So. No, it's, it's, I think my, favorite response where I fall into the middle of both. Uh, I think you can learn from losses and I love winning, but at the same time, it's, it's always about working and improving at your craft and how are you learning? Everything is a practice. And so I, I love hearing how, just how people think through that, because I think there's so much opportunity to also break the box and say, I'm not going to even answer your question. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard a great example by Kobe Bryant on this, where he's like, you know, if I'm living every day out of fear of failure, it's that, you know, mammalian, that reptile brain that's like, oh, am I, am I going to die? We're in sales. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the last one I have for you is what does success mean to you today? Yeah, like it's just, it's just getting to the end of life and just understanding that, uh, you know, you've made a difference. You've, again, another cliche, you've left the world in a better place than, than when you got here, I think is just so critical, but not, not enough people actually practice that. I think that experience with testicular cancer really helped shift certain situations, helped sh- shift my perspective. It kind of knocked me out of this overconfident, there's always going to be more time situations. Thankfully, I'm healthy and I'm in a good state right now. And I, I hopefully don't need to worry about cancer anymore, but it's one of those things where it really kind of helped me kind of re- really embrace how important it is to live in the present, live in the present and kind of live by this idea of, you know, meditating on death frequently because it really helps align your priority priorities on an, on a daily basis to say, you know, how do I want to kind of leave this, this, this earth when it's done. And all of anyone that I feel, anyone that I've spoken to that goes through that exercise, it's not going to be, well, I want to leave it with $10 million in the bank account or with a house on the countryside and two boats. Like no, those are never the answers that I hear. They come back to, I want to work hard and I want to kind of sell something meaningful. I want to have a family and, you know, set my family up for success and do all these great things. Like it's all relationships. It's all trust. It's all about community driven goals. And, um, I think that's, that's for me, it's like, yeah, how do I just kind of get back to leave this place a better world? Or at least something like climate change, at least know that I, you know, did my part to fight and, 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 and and try and help. I think that's so beautiful. I I was, I guess, fortunate enough to have my dad have cancer a couple of times when I was younger. One of my best friends, uh, had a pretty nasty bout with leukemia and, realize that not every day is given, not every breath is given. And that meditation on 
death and realizing that we're all going to die. And it's pretty out of most of our control. It is super powerful. It's scary. But at the same time, it is the reality that we live in. So I love that thought for us. And everybody here need, needs to find you, needs to check you out and follow what you're doing with Sales Health Alliance. Uh, where where should people find you, Jeff? Yes, yeah, so you're welcome to follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. So Jeff Risley, R-I-S-E-L-E-Y, saleshealthalliance.com. There's all sorts of, there's over, I think, a, I think I like well over 100 pieces of content now around things like mindset, resilience, my whole approach to the business is how do I be a resource first, business second? So I wanted to kind of create this online LMS where people can go and just search and find what they're looking for. So there's lots of free resources on there, which are great free eBooks that you can download. And then if you're looking for more tactical strategies, you can, you, you want to start using, just click on the training button and deliver five week programs to organizations and sales teams but I've also kind of released an online course as well. That is again, more getting into some of these mindset strategies, some of these resilience tactics, actionable things that you can start doing that are rooted in physiology, rooted in positive psychology, rooted in neuroscience. How do you literally activate your mind and your body to make sure that you're effective every single day? So highly recommend anyone checks that out because it's all really good actionable stuff that's rooted in science as opposed to this. Oh, you should meditate for no good reason at all. It's going to tell you exactly why certain things work and how they can help you perform your best in sales. This is fantastic. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your knowledge, your story, this incredible information with us that can help us all either deal with the crap that we're already dealing with today in a much better way or be ready for when life does get challenging because it's going to come up. The struggles are going to come up. The tough months are going to come up. And if we can have a tool set at our disposal, we can go ahead and go ahead and make it a great day. So thanks so much, Jeff, and have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. It's thanks to help from listeners like you. This podcast can continue to grow and help others. If you found anything helpful in today's episode, please take a second, share with a friend, and leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast today. Thanks. Thanks.